Today's episode is brought to you by the letters R and the number upside down seven for Rick Larson. Thanks again for everybody for tuning in again to Notes from My Improv Notebook, your internet's resource for free improv knowledge. How great is that? Thank you so much to everyone who has rated and reviewed my podcast. I really appreciate that. Every one of your rates and reviews actually helps get this podcast out to people who love improv just as much as you. If you haven't already, please stop the podcast right now and rate and review us. I would really appreciate that. I've seen that I have nine total ratings, so I appreciate everyone who's already done that. But if you haven't, it's very much appreciated. I am available for teaching. I live here in Los Angeles, California. I would love to coach you, but if you're not around me, I can also Skype in. I'm very good at Skyping or FaceTiming. We can also group FaceTime, but I would love to work with you or your group. I'm also available for workshops. I would love to teach you, so please contact me at highsilentx at gmail.com and let's work something out. This week's episode is by a veteran improviser named Rick Larson out of Phoenix, Arizona. Rick Larson is a wonderful player, and he is a wonderful improv teacher, and you're going to love what he talks about. We focus on emotion and exercise with emotion. You can find Rick Larson on Twitter at rlarson4 or on Etsy. He made this awesome short storybook called Fat Dracula and Other Stories, and you can search Failure of Free Press on Etsy to find that. If you'd love to watch Rick perform, every second Friday at the Torch Theater in Phoenix, Arizona, he is a part of a group called Apollo 12. Please go watch them. They're a hilarious group, and they would love your support. If you can't go on Friday, go the fourth Saturday of the month. That is with his group, Side Coach. Side Coach is a wonderful show where every scene takes a suggestion. So please support live improv theater, especially the Torch Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. Without further ado, here's Rick on Emotion. Rick Larson is here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hey, studio audience of Claire and me and my <laughs> mother and Lin-Law and my wife. How's it going, uh, Rick? How are you doing? I am good. I'm good. I can't complain. That's good. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. You've been improvising for such a long time since I remember, probably since like 2006. Uh, maybe a little later than that. I think maybe 2008 or nine. Wow, how cool! Yeah, it's been about a decade though. So that's yeah. amazing. Do you feel like you've learned so much in that time, or do you feel uh, like I do? I do. Um, I still feel. Like the new kid in a lot of situations, though, usually. No way. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. No way. Why do you feel even, like... Even when I'm the oldest person in the room, which yeah. is very often. <laughs> do you feel like that you've got more knowledge from the repetition of it? Or do you feel like... Was it like self-discovery? Was it someone giving you tips? What was it for you? Um, I, think, I think a little of all of those. One thing that I think... Uh, taught me a lot that I tried pretty early on to do was seek out like opportunities to play with people who uh, who I really enjoyed or I thought did things differently or or interesting in interesting ways that I wanted to to seek out. So I made like a mental list and and uh, still have not 
manage to get to everybody. So <laughs> don't think if I haven't done a two-person show with you out there in the world uh, that it's because I don't like you. Um, it's it's people get busy. Um, people say no, <laughs> that yeah. kind of thing. Well, I think it's really cool that you put yourself out there because that's, I think, it was one of the hardest things to do is to just ask. And a lot of people are more than willing to do it unless they're super busy. It's not yeah. that they don't like you, but putting yourself out there to ask your heroes to perform with you or people you admire, I should say, mm-hmm. to perform with you is such a good uh, tip to take away because people will normally say yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's something too that I, you know, I I can't say like I I did everything great right away, but that was one of the early things that I did and and learned was to like take opportunities when they came up or or jump on things or not necessarily, especially when you're improvising to. Uh, I'm thinking of specific examples without mentioning them, but like the idea that you have to know what the show is before you go into it or, or like you, you have to practice something before you can just go out and, and do something um, for better or worse has been something that I've always um, been able to get, get around or not, not have to worry about and just like, Oh, somebody didn't show up. Can you sit in on this show? And I'm like, sure. I don't know who any of these people are, but yeah. I'll do it. Those are my favorite moments. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, I had the opportunity, um, to do the San Diego improv festival does a single writer show where you sign up as an individual person and not, not as a group. And so I, uh, I did that and cool. performed with five other people who I had never met before. We came back the next year Although I had to, I had to not come at the last minute. Um, but then I invited them to come out to Phoenix, and we we did a couple. A couple of us were able to come and do a show maybe two years ago, or about a year and a half ago, around Halloween. And then this year, one of those people still like submitted his own one person show and came out, and it was very that's cool, very cool. That like yeah, you can make all these connections and and make all these opportunities for yourself around the country that if you are shy about asking you you won't ever ever experience those yeah i think that's so cool that you do that you know i've been reading a lot lately that a lot of our skills are promoted through our socialization inside the uh hobbies that we like right so we will continue to build upon the hobby if we find other people to do that form with and i think that what you're doing by putting yourself out there and Mm -hmm. asking you people to play with you or to submit yourself as a single person is such a great thing because it reinforces the fun of improv and that social aspect that we all kind of seek as human beings which is really cool yeah yeah that's yeah that's interesting um so i wanted to do bring you on the podcast because you have something very important to tell my audience you wanted to talk about emotion in scene work right yeah all right. how has emotion helped you in your play Oh, that's a great question. So one of the things to uh, to think about just coming out in a scene or, or initiating is sometimes you have a great idea and you have a premise and you have a beautiful thing. And the whole point is just to get like the other person on board with what you want to do. Uh, but I would say for me, probably 75% of the time, that's not true. <laughs> and what I have is... Uh, just a general thought of uh, that thing just happened, that opening or that first scene or something else. And now I want to do something 
different with kind of the same within the same I don't want to say within the same world, but within the same kind of thematic space and like so your initiation is based upon what you experienced in the opening and taking away from it something that is a part of that thematic space that you just built. Yeah, okay. exactly. But I also want it to be like a different corner of that space. Okay. Like, okay, that scene was two people yelling at each other. Mm -hmm. Now I want to come out and do a quiet or maybe even a silent scene and okay. not, not say anything. So or you're also noticing the flow of the show. Like you're like, what did we, what happened before us and what can I explore that hasn't happened yet? Right. Oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they just did a very fun scene and I wish I had done that scene, but <laughs> I'm not going to come out and try to do the same, <laughs> the same scene. That would be so hilarious <laughs> if someone did that, just try to initiate the same scene. <laughs> that, so rude. Yeah. Uh, I, I did have a, a, a form that I was playing with for a while with a, a small group where we tried to always start each new scene with the last line of the previous scene. Okay, cool. And that was that was just sort of a way to like, but say it differently in, mm. in a different in a different way and kind of kind of build on it from there. But it's always yeah, the Herald, for example, you always want to stretch everything out as far mm -hmm. as you can. So be as different as possible. Um, and sometimes that's hard to come up with, other than like. They were very angry in that scene, so I'm going to try just coming out with a different emotion. So probably a crutch that I have is to come out crying <laughs> in a scene. But that's a – okay, your crutch is to come out crying, yeah. but what a great initiation. It it offers so much to the scene already. Yeah, it it, it definitely – yeah, rather than coming out neutral and, and – and, and with nothing because once you're once you start in neutral it's kind of hard to get out you have to accelerate to something else but if you come out of the gate halfway there then it's a lot easier to go from from 50 to 60 or to 70 what but, a great point to say that if you come out neutral then it's hard to ramp up from there and if you start with an emotion you can obviously heighten that throughout the scene or even transform it into a different emotion throughout the scene that's such a good point I think what's interesting is that you don't come out with any, like sometimes you don't have an idea, like a specific premise. So your basic go-to is like, I need an emotion. What was emotionally different from the last scene I'm going to do in this point? Have you ever gone out into a scene neutral and been like, I shouldn't have done that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, recently, it was more it was more a reaction, but I just had a, a scene where I had sort of done, and it's a very default thing, especially... I think with newer improvisers where, cause you get a little bit of a laugh when somebody does dump something on you and you're like, eh, I don't really care. <laughs> and then it's hard to go. Like it's, it's a choice. It's, it's legitimate. It's fine, mm -hmm. but it's often very hard to get out of that. And it's something that people choose so often that it then like it, it, you, you can't, you can't go anywhere if you're not affected. Like yes. you, you're limiting your space a lot. You're yes. limiting the, where you can go. I think that it might be like a fear of like showing emotion sometimes, you know, because I think that sometimes it's hard for us as human beings to be vulnerable with our emotions, right? Oh, and yeah, so that's a good point. I think yeah. on stage is such a, um, what's it called? A heightening of our real world. Mm -hmm. And to bring emotion as your first initial choice, I think is very smart. I think it's a great, it's so funny that you think from that way because I don't think like that when I initiate. I'm more in like the premise or like physicalness of like, okay. okay if uh if if in an opening we like sliced our hands and we across the air i'm making that movement at okay. rick right yeah. now but you can't see that 
like maybe I would pick a pose from that and then start a scene into that um, way. And I think that that can limit me because sometimes I do start in a neutral way uh, from picking just a position. And if I was able to incorporate more of the emotion like you were, uh, I, I would find more success in in those scenes, especially working with someone else. Yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely possible. I think uh, I, that yeah, it's 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 another it's another tool in the tool belt. Like there are a million ways to to start and to or to initiate a scene, but um, it's it's something that I was taught early on that gives you a lot of fuel, and it works really well for me because. Um, uh, I think personally, like in my normal private life, I am a very uh, restrained, quiet, not vulnerable person. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess I get on stage to to get to that place, to do that, and to like pour pour everything out. And so I think that it's a it's definitely a skill that works for me. And I think uh, it's something that I would encourage people to at least try and, and see what happens. Well, when I performed with you uh, on our two-man teenage heartthrob, I was really impressed by the moves that you were making. And now that I understand kind of like where you're coming from in terms of your initiations, it makes so much more sense to me, like why it was so much to perform, why it was so much fun to perform with you. You were making these emotional choices, which then invested me, the partner, to make those emotional choices with you. Oh, cool. Because you find that as your partner makes those emotional choices, you're like, oh, I I can do that too. (laughs) I I could be fun and emotional. Because I think as improvisers, we're really good at um, mimicking each other. And a lot of like a strong points or a lot of the teaching points that you learn at schools is about mimicking, right? You're like, one of the first things you learn is like, if you don't know what you're doing, do what that guy's doing. Oh, that's great. Right? Yeah. And the mirror exercise. And you're like, we're moving our arms at the same time. How fun. So I think emotion is so important. Um, you, you bring up a lot of great points. And I think from my perspective of playing with a, like someone who chooses emotion, it engages me to perform with you to, oh, cool. to be a part of that space. Uh, that's so cool. Have you ever had a scene, like a specific scene that you can remember where you're like, that the motion just worked perfectly? Like, have you ever had that type of scene? Yeah, the the example that's coming to my mind is kind of a tangent on that. That And this has happened to me a couple of times because I'm a very, very uh, what is it? What's the word? I have a tendency to uh, break on stage a lot, especially when I'm on like the back line or the sides. Um and uh so um i, I can i just picturing you on the sidelines like <laughs> this is a really good show <laughs> yes yes <laughs> five stars um and no i but i i do i do tend to laugh very easily at uh sometimes at those things too that like are funny to the performers but not necessarily to the audience i try not to show those as much but if something funny happens then then i will laugh and on a few occasions, uh, my cover, when I then go into, uh, like, a really funny scene will happen, and I'm laughing really hard. But now, like, we just edited, and now somebody has to go out, but I'm still laughing. Um, a good cover for that uh, is to, that is when you start crying the <laughs> loudest, because it's physically a very similar-looking thing. You just have to pretend now, now while you're laughing and ca- and catching your breath, now you're crying. And um, that's that's happened a few times where and then that often is a very uh, a very successful 
way to get into into the next into the next scene and ideally um the person picking up on it will like you said will react in an in an emotional way and not in necessarily in the like neutral or or kind of shooting that down or like why are you crying or i don't care that you're crying even if you're happy they're crying that's still a better choice than i don't care that you're upset yeah i think emotion uh an emotional uh, uh initiation just invites the other person to be a part of that world it's engulfing it's engulfing really yeah yeah it 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 takes you and i i feel like that's something that i think the audiences want to see like we like to go to the movies to see drama to see people yeah. you know really engaged in life and and it's something we notice when like the a character does not react the way a normal person would yeah i think i find emotion helps me a lot when i perform in uh i perform in geraldo out here in los angeles and it's spanish only improv we only do our tagline is the improv may be in spanish but the laughs are in english oh okay and <laughs> For people, so they're spelled with an H. Yeah, H, yeah, H, yeah. H, okay. H, H, it's J A J A. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so or maybe it's mix. Some it's of them are J A H A J A. Ha ha ha. I think what helps us as performers in that aspect is that uh, we are on uh, a level of emotion that is super heightened that I don't think I do when I perform in English that really communicates to the audience how I feel. And we find that emotion is like a universal language. Like you can tell when someone's sad in any language, like they don't have to speak English. If you're German, you, you can really tell. Or without language altogether, like yeah. in silent films. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think that emotion is such a great choice and really, uh, uh, really gets your audience on the same page as you and your partner, which I stress is one of the most important things. Like I really find that scenes don't work when your audience is kind of confused. And when your audience is confused, your partner is probably confused. But emotion is such that universal language that everyone's on the same page. Or like, he's crying, and this guy's about to do something about it, whatever that may be. Yeah, that's great. No, that's, that's yeah, that's 100%. I agree with that. Okay. Well, has there any been times, like, when you used emotion and, like, it totally, like, fell on its face, like... I, yeah, I would say probably like the the emotions that are are harder to get people on board with are those like boredom, kind of dismissiveness. Um, I think those are you know valid emotions that we feel in life, where it's like, yeah, I'm kind of too cool for this, uh, and I mean, those are those are valid, but they are definitely harder to like pull people on on board on with. board of those yeah because they're like it seems it it very much plays like not have not playing with emotion you're you're flattening everything out um it does i know for me i have a hard time with emotion because i can only name three emotions on my hand i'm either crying so sad mad or happy like that's those are the emotions that i have like i don't did they ever give you uh an improv training did they ever give you that sheet with like a million emotions on it and they're like I I have I have seen that I took a a level of improv uh with a guy named Bob Fisher and he had basically there are four emotions and that was that was it. I mean there's definitely combinations and and gradations of all of them but there are four emotions and they were um anger, fear, joy, sadness. Yes, anger. yes. So so what's the 
what's the fifth one in the movie? Because the movie has five. Inside Out, the cartoon has five emotions. Uh, yeah. Oh, disgust. Disgust. Was Mindy Kaling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That that is a great uh, a great movie to watch for this kind of. I think you bring up that's a great way if that's how you remember it. Remember the characters in in yeah. Uh, what was Inside Out? Inside yeah. Out. Thank you. Remember those characters, and then you could always just kind of pivot to those characters and be be one of them at a four mm-hmm. or be one of them at an eight or be one of them or be some combination of the two of them you just bring up something really cool which is the exploration of emotion and those different levels of emotion oh, yeah. so on like a scale of one to ten a one sadness is totally different from a ten sadness yes. right have you ever started a scene at a ten or do you find yourself always starting lower than that um i have i definitely have the scenes where i come out and i'm just sobbing because either because I was laughing previously <laughs> or just because I feel like that's like we haven't had that yet. But I think more often, yeah, I try to come in maybe at a four or a five and then and then build on those. And it's important to remember these are all subjective and like your four was probably different. But it's still as a as a tool for you to to think through it it it's helpful to like figure out what a four feels like to you and play that and then um because one of the and one of the re- things i think about for that is like if you come out starting at a 10 sadness and then something sad happens how do you get sad how do you heighten that how do mm-hmm. you build on that but if you come out and you're already a little sad or barely sad at all, um, and then something bad happens, you can you can you can go up from there. Pl- starting at a one is probably challenging if the other person doesn't pick up on on that. But if you are playing with somebody you know you're familiar with or that knows you and and can f- feel that and and take that and be like, oh, he's starting a little bit sad. Maybe we can pile on and 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 kind of heighten that and go bring that up to a six by the end of the scene. Yeah. I think that's cool. You're like, if you're gauging your partner, then you know how to um, either fuel what they're doing um, or disrupt what they want. Oh, cause I'm a big believer in wants. And if you know, like your partner's wants, you can either like stop them and then that frustrates them. So I think that's great. You're engaging your partner. You're really listening intently to uh, their body language or their verbal communication in that scene. I always find that, especially like on my scale of like one to 10, when I start at a higher level, like an eight or 10, it turns into a serious scene for me. And this is for me specifically. Uh, I feel like whenever like I'm super sad and like if I take it on and I look back at it, I'm like, oh, that was me at a sad eight. For me, it's hard to get into the like the comedy of it. Because then it's like, then I feel like I'm going to my sadness and I bring it down because we're like, well, we're being kind of silly. So sadness yeah. doesn't need to be real. So it's like at four, you know, mm-hmm. and that's how I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you feel when you start at a higher level? Um, I think that's, I think that's a good, a good point. I hadn't really thought about it, but I think that is, that is good. And I tend to be somebody who encourages and welcomes those serious scenes to mm-hmm. come in. And I, cause I think when something happens that like is funny to the audience, then they react bigger to that cause they were just in this real world and, and then, you know, something ridiculous happened. And I think about a scene that I did relatively recently that did turn into se- kind of serious scene for a while where we got the, uh, the suggestion 
for it was a, it was a show where we were doing like a suggestion for each each two person scene. We got a uh, the su- suggestion of dyslexia, and I knew what the person wanted was for somebody to like say word backwards or not be able to read something. I kind of I knew that was what they were wa- they were wanting when they suggested that. So I was doing everything I could to like hold back on that, and it ended up becoming this this like scene where I was a little kid, maybe middle school or younger who was having trouble at school and I was talking to the counselor and then I started engaging the counselor about her life and the divorce that she was going through. And it was just this very, very serious scene. And then she tried to spell the word divorce and I got it wrong and said diver. And like everybody thought that was so much funnier than if I had just come out and immediately started doing that. Yeah. Once they knew my kid and knew that I was, I was troubled, but I also cared about this other person and she cared about me. And then we hit the dumb joke and it was, it was 10, times better than it would have been yeah you built that wonderful tension throughout the scene and to just release it through that spelling divorce wrong as divers <laughs> it's very funny for me <laughs> sorry um why did did you know that you were gonna spell divers when she gave you divorce or did that just no. pop in i think like delaying things is often very funny so like the audience knows exactly what's going to happen but you like pause it so i stopped and i started like writing in the air while she would while she would say things or spell things and then when she said that i just thought of like the first word i could think of that had some of the same letters so i was like he's a diver <laughs> i think that's so funny oh, um, thanks you uh you're bringing up such wonderful points on the podcast and a lot of that is delaying delaying is such a great tool to use i think you play along in in joke format it's a lot about building tension and then releasing right yeah yeah. and so like if everybody knows it's coming like then they're like it's like a jack-in-a-box right you're just like they're just winding it up (laughs) and they want it to go but they don't know when it's gonna go and finally when it does it's like this great surprise but also that using a real scene is a great way to build tension but then to find a way to release in it that made sense was such a wonderful thing like that's really cool Uh, exploration of how to start with a strong emotion not go straight to the funny but play the scene the way it is and use the scene like listening you were so present so was your partner Mm -hmm. to really just kind of find the right moment to put in that diverse diverse (laughs) (laughs) well cool Yeah, Um, yeah well that's such a great example let's see how can we help students at home uh, use emotion or practice emotion. You have an exercise, right? Oh, yeah. So this is the much-teased exercise that uh, <laughs> we we delayed. Hold on. First, I want to talk about... <laughs> we delayed it. Yeah, yeah. we delayed it again. No. Um, so one thing that, that I've used a lot that I, I think is really great is to take kind of a nu- neutral like line of dialogue. Like, I'm coming home on Tuesday. And... Um, in a in a group in for you know for your team or your class or however many people um it can even be used as a warm up but just you know say that neutral line and then everybody try it with different emotions different levels of the same emotion so somebody else is sad that they're coming I'm sad I'm coming home on Tuesday somebody else is excited cuz they didn't want to be where they were I'm coming home on Tuesday somebody else is angry because they're coming home to kill you, <laughs> uh, whatever the case is. But and, and you don't really necessarily verbalize those, just kind of go around and like, I'm coming home next Tuesday. I'm coming home. Next. And just feel out all the different ways that you can that you can feel 
about saying that that one very neutral thing and then i i like that i like that you then um if you're exploring to go back and to kind of uh, put a title on it. So that was my sadness at like a, fa- a five, right? Or like that was my sadness at a two. Because if we're aware of these things while we're practicing, we could then eventually use it on our show. I think that exercise is really cool too because you can use it privately or with a group of people. When you were talking about the group of people, I was picturing everybody circling up and then each person and the next person in the circle kind of going along with it. Mm-hmm. Um Wow, that's a cool exercise. Just, I like oh, that. Yeah, um, just trying to whatever's come before, try to find a spot that hasn't been hasn't been taken yet. So yeah, that sounds like his sadness seven. So I'll do a sadness five, and they might sound pretty similar. Uh-huh. But you know how they're different, and then you'll bring you'll you're trying not to be their seven, so you'll yeah. be your five. What a great nuance! Yeah, to find the nuances of by listening. That's good. Um, I would like to, you know, if if you were doing it with the group, you could also do it by yourself, right? You used to say the same line, but in different emotions and then engaging yourself. But in this group, I would like to add like a, an extra thing where you put someone in the center responding to these people with their oh, different emotions. Cool. Yeah. So that way they understand, like they find what the nuance is when someone says a line to you in a certain mm-hmm. way. And then they they can feel how it is to be engulfed in that emotion and how to respond in that time. Yeah. So yeah. I think that could be the next level of that exercise. Oh, that's good. Yeah. 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 And try to, uh, yeah, try to coach that, whoever that center person is, to, like, have a real emotion other than, especially in the, in the beginning of it, like, don't feel nothing about that. Like, sometimes you, like I said, you'll get a little laugh out of, like, eh, I don't care that you're dying, but <laughs> it, it, you can, you'll get more fuel and more mileage out of like, Oh, I do care that you are dying yes. because it affects me in this way. Don't respond blandly. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. 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 What a great exercise. And, yeah. uh, we just gave you two exercises for the price of one. Everybody. Yes. Uh, so thank you so much, Rick, for coming along on the oh, podcast. Of course. Of course. Thanks where, for having me. Where can people find you? Um, so occasionally you can see like the ghost of me on my Twitter account, which still (laughs) exists, but is not super, uh, is not super active these days, but that's at rlarson4, um, uh, Instagram. I also just, uh, revived, um, I just published a collection of short stories myself, um, that you can get electronically or... Uh, a couple of hard copies uh, called Fat Dracula. It's about the story of Dracula was fat. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's available. I put a couple of those up on Etsy if people want to search that out and find me on there. Is your Etsy under R. Larson 4 as well? Uh, yes and no. That's a good a good point. Because um, I called the, the, the... I am on there as that, but the store itself is called The Failure of the Free Press. Okay. The zine is available for purchase. It's under Fat Dracula on Etsy. You can find him on Twitter, rlarson4. How about performance-wise? Performance-wise, um, every second Friday of the month in Phoenix at the Torch Theater is uh, my long-running group, Apollo 12. And... It's a wonderful group. I oh, totally thanks. recommend going seeing. <laughs> I loved. I love watching you guys play. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then on the fourth Saturday of every month, I just started recently... 
um, sitting in with a group called Side Coach. My example story about the dyslexic kid was from a Side Coach show, and that's also at the Torch Theater, and that's on the fourth Saturday of every month. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rick. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for sharing your improv knowledge with the world. I think it's it's a way so that students can uh, better themselves without having to uh, spend all the money in the world. No, that's great. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, that was Rick Larson from Phoenix, Arizona and the Torch Theater. He's a wonderful human being. I'm so lucky to have him on the podcast. There's just so much information on this podcast. It just came out great. I was so happy with it. Again, I am available for teaching and coaching. Please reach out to me. You can always hit me up at HighSilentX on Instagram, or you can email me at HighSilentX at gmail.com. If you haven't already, please rate and review the podcast. I would really appreciate that. Each rate and review gets me closer to my goal of 15 reviews. I'm six away, and you can help me, and I would appreciate that. Other than that, I'm working on getting more guests for you to enjoy. So be patient, and I will bring them in as soon as I can. Other than that, hope you have a great week. This is the much teased exercise that uh, we we delayed. Hold on, first I want to talk about. <laughs> we delayed it. Yeah, yeah. we delayed it again. No. Um...